Hi there, my name is Zainab and welcome to a podcast called Lancaster Diaries where we are going to speak to Lancaster students about their experiences at Lancaster University. For our first podcast, we are actually going to speak to two students about their experience of going through the pandemic and applying to university, getting their results and actually what their experience was like learning on campus during the COVID pandemic. Uh, so my two students today with me are Emily Payne and Ariana DeCross. Uh, Emily, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, my name is Emily. I'm a first year PPE student, which is philosophy, politics and economics. Uh, at A-levels, I studied uh, politics, English literature, maths and music, and then did an AS in history. So quite a few subjects. All right, fabulous. And Ariana? So my name is Ariana, and as you can tell, I'm from the U.S., where I studied the International Baccalaureate Program for high school. Um, and so now I'm a first-year student studying international business management in German at Lancaster. So I want to ask you guys, um, obviously, the first lockdown happened uh, at the end of March. But before the lockdown, what was your kind of perception of COVID? Yeah, I think for me, being in the U.S. so far away from China, we would always see kind of things spreading around. Um, and we never thought much of it. I know when we were a bit younger, there was a whole Ebola outbreak. And that was something that we talked about. And we just thought it was something more like that. Um, it was a thing that was far away. It was foreign. It wasn't something that could ever come to us. And I know talking about my parents and everything, they all said no. Even going into you know the initial few cases in the U.S., my parents thought it was, wasn't a big deal at all. It would go away. They said, oh, we saw SARS before this. And SARS was much worse. Um, so I don't know about what Emily's experience here in the UK, but I think that was pretty much my experience. Yeah, it, it was the same over here, really. Um, we thought that it was going to stay in China uh, and that it wasn't really going to affect us. Um, for me personally, it was only until I was watching the news and I saw Italy um, and all of their problems with um, the amount of deaths they had in hospitals and stuff. Um, that I started realizing that it was actually going to be a global thing. But even then, I would have never expected like schools to close and, and everything to happen. I mean, a year later, and it's still at, at the time in, in March last year, that that wasn't even like a possibility in my brain. Right. See, I remember last year I had I had a holiday booked and there was another member of staff at Lancaster and she said to me, oh, don't you think you should think about cancelling or rescheduling it? Like, you know, the, the COVID pandemic is starting. And I was like, no, no, <clears throat> it's going to stay in China. Like, it's, why would it affect my holiday? I'm going to be fine. No, exactly. Out, I had to cancel everything. Yeah, I mean, I went on a, on a vacation on a cruise two weeks before I got kicked out of school. By that, at that point, we didn't think it'd be anything serious. So now we're in the month of March. And then the end of March is when the lockdown happens. What was that experience like for you guys? Oh, it was very interesting because lockdown happened on my birthday on the 23rd of March. Um, so, I mean, I was a bit disappointed, I'm not going to lie, not being able to see my friends. Um, but the, the first bit of lockdown was actually all right, you know. Um, it was nice to be up in college. I had spent like three years doing A-levels. Um, so it, it was nice to be off of college and have a bit of a break, even though we didn't know what was happening with A-levels. It was nice to, you know, watch Netflix and spend some time with family. And I think the first month maybe of lockdown was actually really nice. Yeah, so I think for the US being such a big country, every state kind of had its own lockdown experience. And so where I'm from in Georgia, we didn't really have 
a strict lockdown. But what did happen is I think the week before the UK lockdown, we got a message one night saying that we the next day would be our last day of school. And so with that, I mean, initially, we're really excited and thought this would be great. Um, but then, you know, being in our last year, we kind of realized that a lot of the traditions that we had been looking forward to were going to be canceled. And so I think it was a really mixed feeling there. Um, it was definitely a very strange last day of school. There were a lot of mixed feelings all around. I think for one point, it was kind of exciting. Um, it might sound bad, but it was something new um, that we hadn't really experienced yeah. before in our yeah. lives. And we were able to kind of stay home and take up new hobbies that we hadn't done before. But at the same time, it was kind of a weird anxiety that I think everyone felt. What was your online learning experience like? And then also, how did you, what was your sort of reaction when the exams were cancelled? Um, I think for me, I was, I was excited. But at the same time, I wasn't really sure how my grades would be calculated then. Um, at the mention of the word algorithm, um, after a few days after... Um, being told that everything was canceled, we were told that it's going to be calculated based on, you know, your coursework and your predicted grades. Um, and so with that, I thought I was very confident in my predicted grades and my coursework. And I thought that my offer at Lancaster was completely secured. Um, so for a while, I was just kind of living, you know, in peace, thinking that I wasn't going to have to take exams, I wasn't going to have to study, but at the same time, I would have no issue getting into the school I wanted to. And things <laughs> changed later on, but for April and March, I was completely secured. All right. What about you, Emily? Because I know you had lockdown and I know you have siblings as well. Um, very strange. Yeah. So, like, obviously, I found out that my exams were cancelled, which at first was a bit of a relief. But then later when I found out how it was going to be ass assessed based on mock exams and coursework, um, I started to get very worried because um, my college didn't actually do any mock exams or coursework. So they basically had nothing to go on. So that, that was sort of in the back of my mind. But at the same time, yeah, I have um, at the time a five-year-old sister and a 14-year-old brother. Um, so they're in year one. Uh, well, sorry, they were in reception then. So, uh, so like I had to help my mum a lot with the early learning and, and looking after my younger sibling, which was quite stressful uh, because I still had online learning uh, and then obviously like my brother being in year 10 um, having GCSEs cancelled at the same time I it was really hard to try to motivate him to continue um, my brother has never been very academic but that's besides the point like it was really hard to get everyone to do their own thing especially because then my stepdad came home and started doing working from home so I mean it was a very very busy household um, with quite a lot of stress. So what I'm going to ask them that because um, Ariana, you did IB, so your results didn't come out until July, and Emily, your results didn't come out in, until August. So you've got April, May, and June, which is your um, staying at home, online learning. Uh, everything has been cancelled. I know Ariana <laughs> was also upset that her prom was cancelled. Right. What was your sort of mindset in terms of productivity? Because I know for me, when lockdown first hit, I mean, I'm not a student, but in my head, I was like, right. All of that time that I'm going to save in terms of commuting anywhere or anything like that, I'm now going to, you know, achieve all of these goals. And I saw all of these posts like on social media being like, if you come out of this lockdown and you have not learned a new skill, your problem was never a lack of time. <laughs> yes. and I was like, okay, fine, I'm the problem. <laughs> um, I know for me, when we first heard that, you know, school was kind of shutting down, I was very excited thinking that I would be able to go to the gym every morning. I would do all of my work in coffee shops. 
Um, but just a few days into everything being shut, I think we kind of saw that, you know, those things weren't going to be open. I was going to have to do all that stuff I wanted to do at home. And so, you know, going into April, a few weeks into the lockdown, um, I think I really just kind of lost any motivation. Um, I felt a little bit mm-hmm. lost. I didn't really have anything going for me at the time. Um, I know school, at least from my school, we were just let out early. Um, so we actually only had three weeks of online learning. And so mid-April, school yeah. was over. And so I had nothing to do. I couldn't really see my friends very often. Um, at the time, you know, my parents were starting to get really worried about it. Uh, I think I saw one friend outdoors, six feet apart. But that was about it. And I didn't really have any motivation to do anything productive at the time. I just kind of laid in bed all of day and was just kind of upset about everything that was going to be canceled and not really knowing what my next week would look like. Uh, yeah, so mine was uh, a, a very similar experience, actually. So I only had about five or six weeks of online learning before the government announced that everything we were doing from here on out would be useless, essentially, and they were going to take uh, everything we'd done before. So um, my college essentially said, you can stop now. So when that was a thing, um, I was a bit lost. I didn't really know what to do. I've always been a very busy person and pride myself on being productive, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, And definitely within my circles, I 100% saw this on social media, you know, people doing all of these new things, taking up loads of skills, improving themselves. And I definitely felt like I should be doing that. So I started doing a diploma on the electronic keyboard, which is the instrument I play. Um, So I did that. uh, And I also did like loads of um, courses online. Um, At some point, I sort of burnt myself out, right? Because I was trying to like homeschool um, my, my younger sibling. I was trying to do a diploma. I was trying to do like courses and stuff. But the rhetoric online was very much like you have all of this free time. Um, you need to be doing something with it. So th- so there were times where I did completely burn out and then ended up in quite a rut for a good couple of weeks before I was able to pick myself up again. April, May and June, you've obviously, you've got that at home. You've got, I guess, this toxic productivity mindset that you're trying to work, that you're dipping in and out of essentially. Because I was like that, you know, you start something and then, and then you just get a bit burnt out, but then you're like, okay, I'm going to start again. Let me, let me try and put myself yeah. through that again. But then obviously after that, I mean, you, July, August, that's when we're sort of getting to the results day and then the university stuff. Were you guys nervous in any way about the, missing out on the learning and how that might affect you once you got to university? Yeah. So I think for me, I think Emily and I are very similar in that we both enjoy being productive and learning new things. And so uh, I know going into May, I was able to kind of pick myself up a little bit. And I did start taking online courses as well um, and just subjects I was interested in and wouldn't be studying at university. So with that, I kind of felt much better about myself um, and about where my life was headed, Uh, even though there was a lot of, I think, uh, stress and anxiety going on just because none of us knew what the next month would look like Like that but that did help me a lot to kind of find purpose and to at least you know see a positive side of being at home all day going on to July I was excited for my results I was excited to be confirmed at Lancaster I had no worries initially going into it I thought that you know the coursework I had gotten all my teachers had predicted it higher actually higher grades than I was predicted for the exams um, and so I thought my grade was going to improve with the whole situation. But then, you know, the night before I were, was going to get my results, students in some countries, I know there were some in Greece, 
um, actually got their results the day before. And they were all saying how they were horrible and worse than they could have imagined. And so at that point, there started to become, you know, be a little bit of anxiety with it. But at the same time, I never imagined it would be as bad as it ended up being. All right. So we're going to get onto the results stage. The last question I do want to ask, um, having had at least, I guess, those three months of sort of uncertainty, but you're, you're at home and you've got all of these hours and you're surrounded by social media and this mindset of trying to be productive as productive as you can. Um, what advice would you give to students about, I guess, managing their time and, and coming out with something? Because I know for Emily, for you, I mean, regardless of, I guess, whatever the goals you set, it was a case of, you know, I did some courses, I did my diploma in the electric keyboard. I'm okay. Yeah, exactly. And I think, if, I mean, if I could go back in time and say to myself now, like, you don't need to read every single book that's on the reading list for uni. Um, I got super stressed, you know, that uh, we had this, um, like, amazing amount of time and the university would be expecting me to read all of these things on the reading list that's on the website. Um, in reality, no, they don't expect you to do that at all. Um, just try to get off of your phone, I suppose. Um, that was my biggest problem, was seeing loads of people online doing what I perceived as more important and better things than what I was doing. Um, and I definitely felt sort of isolated from my friends. So making sure that I... Um, video called my friends and stuff like that was super important to get away from that sort of toxic productivity yeah can i just say pre-covid i hated video calls with a passion <laughs> i never video i think i had one friend that i was confident enough to video call because we didn't care but now since lockdown everyone i'm like once a month let's schedule in a nice video call catch up <laughs> yep yeah <laughs> with a cup of tea yeah i'd say I know for me, I didn't get into being more productive until a little bit later. And so I didn't have quite as much issue with burning out. But what I do think was important was being able to get outside and do what you can. So I know with lockdowns in the UK, it's a bit more difficult to do that. But I started going on daily walks or runs or hikes with my mom. Um, and that was really nice as well, because you're not you're doing something that's productive and that it's beneficial for your health, your, men and your mental health. But at the same time, it's not stressful. It's not academic. Um, so you're not really having to think about what you're doing. You can just enjoy nature. You can enjoy the good weather in the summer. Um, and to get something productive in you know, the sense that I did leave my room, I left my bed uh, and went outside to kind of you know, bond with my family and get some exercise. So A-level results are released in August, but the IB results came out in July. Right. And I mean, Ariana, you're at a point where you've been predicted higher grades than your exams. Your courseworks are amazing. And then you wake up and you get your IB results. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I woke up early that morning because I couldn't sleep. Um, the results weren't released until 10. And so I was so excited. I thought my grade was going to be great. I was so ready to be very proud of myself and to celebrate it. Um, but then I open it and I scroll down to the bottom. And I mean, for reference, my offer was 35. I was predicted a 38. But I received a 31. S seven to 10 points lower than I was expecting. Um, and four points wow. off of my offer. And so, I mean, I just remember looking at it in shock. I think I might have even refreshed the page. Um, I wasn't sure that I was looking at the same, at the right thing, because I never imagined that I could be given the grade that I was. And so I remember I was just sitting there staring at it for a few minutes until I realized that, you know, it's time for the emotional response. Um, and so I remember picking up my laptop and taking, walking to my parents. I just couldn't even speak. And then I remember starting to, you know, cry and say it, all I could say was it's so bad 
Um, I even had to have my parents like hold my laptop just because, you know, I didn't feel like I could, you know, be holding anything. It was definitely maybe the most shocked I've ever been in my life. Um, just knowing that everything I had been working for might have gone down the drain. So what then happened then with your offer at Lancaster? Yeah, so I took about an hour, I think, to just kind of process. And then I mean, my mom was just pushing. She was saying that, you know, we need to get on this. We need to figure something out before they receive your offer. And so, I mean, she was in, immediately on the phone with my college counselor at school, my academic counselor, the head of our international baccalaureate program, um, calling them and saying, you know, what can we do? And they were said, yeah, we were very surprised by a lot of the results as well. We have no idea how this happened, but, you know, this is the reality. And so there was, of course, talk about resubmitting for regrading and everything. But at the same time, we were kind of warned that, you know, they likely wouldn't regrade very much just because this was such an unprecedented grading system that they had adopted. And, you know, they couldn't really go back and regrade in the same way they would in normal years. Uh, and so when we were calling that, I remember writing to, you know, everyone I'd ever met with at Lancaster, you know, the head of my program now who I had met two years prior while I was visiting Lancaster, writing to her, writing to the admissions, um, just about everything about my continued interest and how passionate I was about studying this course at this university um, and just really trying to beg them to let me in. And so I was told I was able to call them the next day. Um, I think they had all gone home for the day by the time I really got it together. Oh, yeah, because you're behind in time because you're yeah, American. Exactly. So that, that was interesting for the next few weeks, having to only talk to them in the mornings, uh, my time. But I know the next day I was able to get on the phone with them and they told me, you know, we don't know. We ha we're processing a lot of different requests right now with IB results that had just come out. You may just have to wait until after A-level results come out to see if there's this place for you. And um, so with that, I mean, they told me you can also switch to a different course or that's not as popular or you can, I mean, they basically just told me I had to wait if I couldn't get regraded. Um, so that was even more stressful. And I mean, I even started looking into other universities. I was even, you know, a points too low for my offer at my, at my assurance university. Um, and so it was definitely a little bit of panic looking at different schools, calling everyone to see if anybody would let me in at that point. Because, you know, at this point, I just wanted to get into a university in the UK. Okay. I mean, we're, we're going we're gonna to continue the story. I just want to ask, uh, Emily, this is the month of July. Your results still haven't come out. What were you doing whilst Ariana was going through all of the stress? Um, slightly panicking, <laughs> if I'm honest, because obviously I saw all of this happening and I knew that um, basically like with the with the UK system, uh, it was based on your area and like what results you're going to produce. Um, and I'm from a very disadvantaged area where a lot of people don't really pass their GCSEs, let alone get really good grades in A-level, right? So... I was very concerned, especially seeing like America and other countries go through this and get really bad results. So now let's say we get to the month of August. Emily, what was your results day like? Uh, not great. Um, so I was predicted all A's uh, and I came out with BBC, um, which is a, an, an astounding downgrade. In fact, um, I was actually resitting A-level politics this year the previous year I had got a B, um, but I knew I was capable of getting an A. So I was going to resit. Um, that's actually the grade I got a C in. So I, that, yeah. Despite so, the fact that you've already sat the exam and you've, you've already got yourself a B. Exactly, yeah. So like the previous year I sat the exam, got a B. This year, using the algorithm, I got a C. 
So, I mean, you can tell how how bad this, this algorithm was. I was actually really angry. I'd never experienced anger at my grades before. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily anger at my college because obviously that was nothing to do with them. It was more angry at the system. And when I was looking on social media and looking at Twitter especially um, and seeing loads of people all over the country, specifically from disadvantaged backgrounds, getting bad grades despite the fact that they were predicted a lot higher, it really made me really angry. So um, I took to my emails and I emailed the college um, because I wanted to get my uh, results overturned um, and they weren't responding to my emails. So then I took to social media and I posted on social media and tagged them in it. And it was only then that I got response from my college. They prioritized me and I was called into the principal's office um, to see about getting my results overturned. Ariana, you, you, you had to appeal. And even when right. you appealed, what I, happened? I, I appealed and the, initially it came back with no changes. Um, so, but then with the IB, there was another overturning process you could go through um, that I think actually even costed quite a bit of money, which luckily my school covered for me, I think. But, you know, we sent it to that and I ended up going two points higher, um, which was still be quite below my offer and definitely far below my predicted. And so, I mean, after getting that, I mean, even after my initial first com coming back with no changes, I was on the phone every single day to Lancaster admissions. And I was having all of my teachers write these recommendations, tell them everything that I've been doing over the summer. I think going back into all this stuff about productivity we were talking about, just showing them that I was a qualified student who belonged to Lancaster. Mm -hmm. um, and so with all of that, they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll add it to your record and someone will review it when they decide on you like, at, after A-level results. And so with that, I mean, I think I was calling every day, asking them for an update, um, asking them questions about what else I could do. And so I think by the time I ended up actually getting the offer, the second I'd call and you know, open my mouth, they knew who I was. Um, they recognized my voice by that point. <laughs> well, when did you get your offer? Just for clarification, uh, what, what, when did you get it? Yeah, in so July or in August? My offer came out um, the day after A-level results, I believe. And so... So you had... I you waited, waited one, one month, month in that sort um, of yeah, it was definitely one of the hardest months of my life I think just because I mean my my assurance university didn't want me Lancaster wouldn't tell me whether they wanted me um I didn't know where I was going to be in the next in two months later and I felt like I would just been so cheated because I mean I had given every every week up until the point of going into lockdown of studying to get the best grades I possibly could um, and I think even, you know, missing out on some of the final year events that my friends were going to, because, you know, my friends who are studying in the U.S., I mean, the U.S. system operates very differently and your exam scores don't count as much. But for me, you know, they were going to be everything when I was trying to get into university. And so I had just given everything to doing well in that. And I was very proud of my predicted grade. Um, so then to see all of that fall apart just really crushed me for a while. Um, and so I went through a month of just kind of that state of shock and anger and sadness you know I think I kind of rotated through all of those emotions every day um just calling Lancaster and doing everything I could but then I finally got an email saying that so the course I'm I initially applied for was one where you do two years in Lancaster and then two years in Madrid and you graduate from both universities so that was international business with Spanish um but then I had also kind of you know been taking German for the past two years 
And so then what I talked to them about, you know, they said, you know, this is one of our most popular courses, actually. So we may not have space for you. But what we could offer you is maybe a spot on a similar program. And so I told them that, you know, I've actually been taking German. You could put me on the Germany course. Um, and so then I'd be studying the same, the same modules. I would just go to Germany rather than go to Spain. And that course they actually had much fewer applicants for, it turned out. So I told them that I would be happy to take that one if they couldn't give me Spain. And so I ended up getting, you know, early August, I think the day after A-level results came out, an email saying, we're happy to confirm your place on this course. And by that point, I mean, I wasn't quite as excited as I could have been just because I was so worn down after the last month of fighting to get in. Um, so I was definitely happy in that, you know, it's over, I'm going. And that was kind of a celebration I had with my family. But at the same time, I was just so worn out after the last you know, four or five weeks going through this process. Emily, what was your experience with overturning your grades? Uh, yeah, so um, it, it didn't go very well uh, in the sense that my college didn't really want to attempt to overturn my grades because I still had some Bs. They're not the worst grades and they were prioritising people that, um, you know, that had completely failed their A-levels. Um, so because I was still reasonably okay, my college um, said that I would be put on the list, but don't expect them to be overturned, and you'll probably be one of the last people to, to be on the, on the list. So I was a bit annoyed with that, but there wasn't much I could do. Um, thankfully, we had a much better system here, uh, and with all of the uh, protests that were happening because of A-level results day, I think it was a day or two after uh, results day that the government decided to give us all our teacher predicted grades which meant I went from the BBC to AAA uh, and then I was like over the moon happy joyous um, and I got into Lancaster my first choice university um, in, in that way I feel so exactly I feel so incredibly lucky because Obviously, there was a lot of waiting and stuff before A-level results day, and the actual day was horrific, but it got sorted very quickly. Okay, I want to ask a question, but I, I, I don't know, I guess, sort of how spiritual-ish answers will be for this, because I think one of the things is obviously, because the, the same thing is happening this year in terms of um, awarding uh, students teacher-predicted grades uh, for their A-levels because the exams are still cancelled. Um, and so you guys have had to deal with sort of that time period of uncertainty. <laughs> Ariana, far more yeah. than Emily did. And um, obviously you both were sort of around 17, 18 at the time. Um, and you've looked back on that period of your life where, I want to say, I, I don't want to use the word helpless, but you said there was, there was very limited control over certain aspects yeah. of your life that you had. And obviously, like Ariana was saying, in terms of being like emotionally burnt out and worn down. Um, so again, reflecting on that, and that time period of uncertainty, if you were to, if you know, if you were to look, if you were to speak to yourself back then, what advice would you have given yourself? Oh man, um, to be <laughs> honest, I'm not even sure exactly what I can say to myself, um, just because it really seems like an impossible situation. I mean, the last few months had been hard enough, but at least I thought that I had something to look forward to at the end of it. And, you know, there, there was, it was very uncertain in terms of, you know, what would be happening with universities. And there was a lot of talk about whether we would be going. Um, everything just felt a bit crazy. But at least, you know, I had that to look forward to. There was a light in the next, you know, six months. But I think if I could say anything, it would just be, you know, it all works out. You just have to keep fighting. 
And yeah. I mean, I had friends even in the US who, you know, at their American universities, weird things had happened as well. And it's a consistent thing to where, you know, if you get if you get screwed over, you get cheated by, you know, whatever system testing it is, um, you just have to keep pushing through it. Because I mean, I know one student who had an offer at another UK university didn't fight the day that we got our results and they were just kind of in shock the whole day and didn't really do anything their offer was rescinded by the, that night um and so it's really just a matter of I think getting in as soon as possible I, I mean I took one hour to process my emotions and then I got on it which was very hard to do um but I think it was just kind of a panic response maybe you know it's like there's very little you can do but you just have to do what you can to fight through it and to fight for what you've already worked so hard for um and it's, it's definitely a really hard thing. And <laughs> I think that's maybe all I can say to myself. It's really hard. I don't really know what to say to myself um, because obviously at, the, at that time, when you're in it, it's really hard to, to see what will happen out of it. Right. You're very much within that bubble of that's that's everything that matters. Um, obviously, I could say that every, everything happens for a reason and everything works out okay in the end uh, and go all spiritual about it. But that wouldn't have helped me at that point, you know. Right. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's very hard. Yeah. That definitely wouldn't have helped me at the time. Um, but I am actually very happy with the way it worked out in that. Not that I had to go yeah. through that, but that, you know, I came out on top and I'm actually very happy with the course I'm on. Um, and so, you know, my Spanish, I've spoken Spanish my whole life. And so going to there, you know, I would have learned a lot, but ultimately going to Germany is going to teach me a lot more in that I'm really developing my third language. Um, because going into university, you know, I'd, I'd been studying German in school for two years, but my German was not at a level to actually, you know, use it in a career. And so now with that, um, I think I'm actually getting a lot more of my degree program in that I'm really developing that, uh, other language I don't really speak yet. And so I'm actually really happy that I ended up on this course, um, you know, despite everything I had to go through to get here. So it all yeah. does work out in I the think, end. I think it does. Yes. So now we have, we've basically gone from March to August and now we are now starting university in September and you guys have your freshers week and you guys have both arrived onto Lancaster campus. And by this point, this was after the eat out to help out scheme. Um, we hadn't been hit by the second wave of COVID yet. That came sort of towards the end of September because then the second lockdown happened in October. So what was your, both of you, what was your first month of Lancaster University like? Um, amazing. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, d despite COVID and despite the fact that, you know, pretty much all the freshers events were cancelled and if they weren't cancelled, they were online. Um it was amazing and I think it's genuinely down to the flatmates that I was lucky enough exactly. to, to get. Um, we really made the most of it, you know. We did the things that we could do. We went out for walks and my goodness, is Lancaster uh, a lovely scenic place. Um, we went up and down all the hills um, and, and it was lovely. Um, and, and in that respect, I kind of Although I, I missed out on the true freshers experience that everyone generally gets, you know, with the parties and meeting people and stuff. Um, I kind of liked this one more. I'm quite, uh, not solitary, but I, I enjoy being with small groups of people and being able to bond with the people that I live with for like a whole year um, and being able to spend a lot of time with them and, you know, play board games inside and really get to know each other. I think that was really, really valuable because when term did start and things started getting hard, 
where you already had a solid, solid friendship um, that maybe you wouldn't have got if, you know, you were out everywhere doing everything in freshers like normal. Yeah. Go, getting to Lancaster, um, I had to do a quarantine when I, when I arrived in the UK, um, but I was lucky enough to have my mom with me for that. Um, and so after our quarantine, you know, driving up to Lancaster, going through, you know, passing the gym, going through the trees and up the hill, um, you see all these people waving the signs, welcoming everyone to their accommodation. At the time, you know, we were only, I think, in tier two, maybe, maybe tier three. Um, but we were able to have all of that. And so it was definitely such an exciting moment. Um, that bit was everything that I had imagined before, you know, despite COVID and getting to meet my flatmates. I was lucky enough to actually already know one of them. Um, we had met, we had met on the group chat before and just ended up living together. And that was definitely really exciting. I mean, like Emily said, I think having being forced to be in that smaller group definitely lets you get to know each other more intimately and more quickly. And so we also, I mean, I was definitely very lucky to have a great group. Um, I have 11 other people in my flat. And so it's a big group, but not so big that we don't all know each other on a deep level. And so we made the most of it. You know, we kind of had our own little flat parties, just the 12 of us. We had themes nights. We all cooked together. We made a Sunday roast my first day. And also, yeah, (laughs) I think it might have been a common experience. You know, it's like a family flat Sunday roast. And so, like, like Emily yeah. was saying, you definitely get to know each other on a, on a much deeper level more quickly. And it really becomes kind of a family. You know, everyone always says, about, says that about their flat every year. But I feel like maybe this year, this year's freshers became even more of a family with their flatmates. Um, and just that, you know, when you're in lockdown, you're all each other really have in person. And so it's definitely a very close relationship that you develop. I love that. You guys all sound so thoughtful and so caring and you with one because I, I mean flatmates is always I guess yeah. it's like a hit and miss story. You you never know. You end up with like really great flatmates. Um and I think it's nice, I guess, that thoughtful approach of, you know, cooking with each other, board games with each other and just like spending like I think Emily said, when you've got that built in support network so that even when things do get a little bit more challenging, mm-hmm. you've got you're quite grounded. Yeah. They're definitely my second family. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So I think that also, I mean, with that family dynamic, you, you'll have a thing where, you know, maybe one moment you're fine over who's, who's, you know, what's stuff in the kitchen or whose pans are left out. But later that night, you're all doing some cool activity together. And it's just really something where you don't have to worry about, worry. Have to worry about any social norms or anything that I think, you know, with less close friends that you have to be aware of. It's just really it's a family environment. And I think maybe even this year more so just because, you know, we're forced to be around each other so so often. Um, I know I remember in the beginning of uni during freshers, you'd hear for the most part, everyone loved their flatmates. But you would hear some stories of flats not getting along. But by this point, I don't, I don't hear that mm-hmm. any, anymore at all. So I think everyone's just kind of, you know, gotten to know each other on a level to where, you know, you work out your differences if you do have any, which I think is more rare. Um and you just really become close with that group of people. Okay, so you've had your first month at Lancaster and you guys are really, really excited. And you've had sort of a lot of online stuff. Um, side question, uh, which societies did you guys join? <laughs> um, I joined, uh, I was in the LGBT society. Uh, I only turned up to like two <laughs> meetings, but um, I'm technically in it. Oh, that's the story of every person's society. When I when I started uni, I think I joined like oh, fifteen yes, societies. Uh, I joined the dance society, the music society, the labour society. 
uh, which is a political one. Uh, the philosophy society. I joined loads. Um, admittedly, I didn't. I didn't go to a lot of the meetings and a lot of the socials. Um, I. Okay, which ones did you end up sticking with? I, there's always literally maximum three that you end up sticking yeah, with. Yeah, I mean, I I tended to stick with Labour uh, to get my my politics in there. Um, I did dance for a bit, but I decided that dance via Zoom wasn't uh, necessarily all that it cracked out to be. So I'm sort of waiting for that to go back in person and then try it again. Um, but yeah, no, just mainly mainly the Labour Club. And Ariana, which philosophies did you join? And which ones, I mean, not philosophies, which societies did you join? And, and yeah, which so ones did you stick out with? I, mean, I had looked at all of the societies on the Student Union's website before coming to Lancaster, just because I was really excited to be getting yeah. involved. Um, but getting there, I think I signed up for a lot that I haven't done anything with this year, partially because there are things like, you know, the hiking society that I haven't been able to go out and meet. Um, mm. But let's see, I went through, I joined the Latin American Society, um, which hasn't been able to do much because it's more of a social group. I joined the um, later on the Philosophy Society. I joined um, the Society for my course, which you know is really nice because my course is quite small, and so it's a nice group of people that you get to know who are doing the same exact same thing as you. Um, and we had a few virtual pub crawls, which was interesting, going to different breakout rooms with different people. <laughs> um, and with that, I was lucky enough to actually have a flatmate who was on my course. You know, there were only a few of us, but we ended up living together. And so we got to do that together. Um, I joined the Investment and Finance Society. And with that, um, there's a separate fund, like investment funds that I joined within that society. Um, and that's been a very strong group throughout the entire year, even virtually. Um, so that's been great to get to know people. Uh, what else? I mean, I joined Snow Sports Society, even though no, that hasn't been doing anything this year just because of COVID. <laughs> um, and maybe a few others, but I think the ones I've stayed very involved in are the Philosophy Society um, and the Investment and Finance Society, probably. Okay, so your, your social lives are great. You're grounded. You've got awesome flatmates. You're making Sunday roasts together. Um, but obviously, you guys have not had like proper learning since probably April, May time. And now you've got, I mean, at this point, I know it was blended learning, some online, some in person, but that quickly changed given that we went into another lockdown in October. What was the learning experience like at Lancaster? So um, I had, I think I had literally two or three in-person things since I've been at Lancaster. That's all I've had in person. Everything else has been online. Um, I don't know, it's been, it's been interesting. Um, it definitely took a couple of weeks at the beginning for people to become confident sort of speaking on teams um, especially because the subjects I do, especially politics and philosophy, are very much discussion based. So, you know, there, there were a lot of awkward silences at the start. And, you know, when we put out into breakout rooms, conversation didn't really flow naturally. But, um, you know, it, it took about a month or two and then people really got the hang of it. And now it's now it's really good, actually. It's really um, interactive, even though we are online, which is a lot better than I thought it would be. Yeah, so for me, um, I know the amount that you had first term, at least in person versus online, differs greatly depending on which course you're on. Um, and so my flatmates yeah. that were in, you know, physical, like biomedical science, um, art and design, 
they would have stuff going on, you know, labs, live sessions every day. Because that's mm-hmm. something that you can't yeah. really do very well in person. But I think Emily and I being more in the humanities and social sciences, it's a lot more difficult or a lot easier. So it's a lot more, it's a lot easier to do those subjects online. And so I know I ended up having one 30 minute seminar per week um, for my German class and everything else was online. And so all of our lectures were pre-recorded, at least in my case. And so that was nice, at least in the sense that you got to kind of have that flexibility and watch the lectures when you want to. And so I think with that, you, we do have much more, a much higher sense of freedom. And it definitely makes me more productive in that I can kind of fit my own schedule around my classes better. And, you know, while of course I prefer to be going to classes in person and meeting more people, there is kind of that upside to it and that I'm able to kind of fit extracurriculars around my learning better and learn and, you know, go for runs. Um, we have a really nice woodland trail that I go for runs on. And I think mm. in that sense, it's kind of nice to fit your own schedule around your learning. Um, so the only thing that I really had live were my seminars, which of course I had several of every day, but at the same time, you were able to fit, you know, the lectures, the greater, you know, the readings around all of that much better than you normally would be. And then the second lockdown hits in October. Did that guys, did that lockdown affect you guys drastically? For me, not really, I think. Um, I know that one, academic buildings were able to stay open. Uh, my class, my seminars actually continued. That one seminar I had in person was able to continue just because that lockdown was a little bit less strict for academics, I think. Um, and so for the most part, things kind of stayed as they were. Obviously, we couldn't go out to the pubs anymore, um, even though, you know, prior to the lockdown, the pubs were only open until, you know, 9, 30, 10. But for the most part, I mean, I had a lot of fun every weekend with my flatmates. I was able to go to the library and study there. Um, and so not a lot changed, really, for me, at least in lockdown number two. I don't know about Emily. Uh, no, it's exactly the same for me. I mean, even when the pubs were open even if they were only open to like nine or ten I never went to them <laughs> I never really saw people outside <laughs> of my flat just because we were very covid conscious and didn't want to to spread it uh, or, or really do anything that we didn't have to um, so I was spending a lot of time with my flatmates anyway and lockdown really didn't make any difference um, and I was completely loving uni um, right up in like all first term I really yeah, enjoyed same. it in terms of the online learning, um, what advice would you give to people? Because, I mean, you've had you've got some of the lectures are pre-recorded. You've got some of them that are live discussions. You've obviously got the reading that you have to do. And a lot of it is heavily screen-based. Um, so what what made it easier? I mean, like, what, what helped you guys get into a routine of how you're going to do this? Um, so for me, I, I know this is not applicable to everyone, but um, I had a printer. Um, I, I bought myself a printer, invested in it. Uh, which meant that when I was doing the readings, I could print them out and do them on on actual paper rather than looking at a screen. Because I found, especially in the first sort of month, looking at a screen every day does cause a lot of headaches uh, and eye strain. So I was trying to do things away from the screen as much as possible. But also, um, when I lacked motivation, I did studying with my flatmates. Uh, Even though we were studying completely different courses, just sitting in the same room, Uh, even though you're doing completely different things, having some musical in the background, it really gets you motivated um, because otherwise you're stuck in, you know, your little bedroom um, doing the same thing every single day on the same desk at the same laptop. 
and it can get very repetitive. So trying to, you know, do some work in a flatmate's room or do it in the kitchen or if the library's open, going to the library, you know, rotating where you're studying, even within your flat was really helpful. Yeah, I definitely agree with kind of creating your own schedule. Um, and so my flat has quite a few students studying in the management school. And, you know, one student studying on my course, as I mentioned. Um, and so what we did um, the first, I think it was the first week of classes was actually go into the management school and go into a lecture theater. And we sat there for a little bit. You know, at the time we thought we were being a little bit sneaky. Um, but, you know, we learned a little a few days after that that we were actually allowed to go into the management school and, and to any of the academic buildings and do our work in there if we wanted to. Uh, and so since since that, you know, we've kind of gone around studying in different places. You know, some of my flatmates prefer to just work in their rooms now, now that we're further into the academic year. But for me, I mean, I'll go and spend my morning in the management school, spend my afternoon in the library and then the evening, you know, in a lecture theater in the management school even. Um, and so it's even better if you have a flatmate with you. So we would kind of go around and do that. My one flatmate who was studying the same course as me. I mean, obviously, we had we had all of the same classes. And so we would kind of, you know, watch lectures together, do readings together, talk about it. And that really did make it feel the, you know, the very limited amount of students on our course. We got, quickly got in contact with them. We would organize walks um, just to get to know each other and, and occasionally even go to the library. It's a bit hard to kind of sit in groups in the library, but we'd all be there and know that each other were there. And so I think with that, I mean, even now, just being able to go to other places um, and kind of, you know, set an exact schedule as you normally would if we were in person really does help to make university feel a lot more interactive and a lot more normal. That sounds awesome. It seems like in conclusion, your first term yeah. was, was fab. <laughs> I really enjoyed my first term. And then, and then Christmas was cancelled. <laughs> did you go home at all? Have you yeah, been so home actually, since, since September? I did go home for Christmas. I was home for a total of, I think, six weeks, actually, um, because I went home in December. So I'd be, and then I came back mid-January. And with that, I mean, the university organizes, you know, free rapid testing. Um, and so now, I mean, at the time, it was something that you kind of had to book and it was supposed to be for more if you were traveling. But now it's something that you can use twice weekly and we're encouraged to do so um, just to keep cases under control. But with that, I was able to get get that lateral flow test and then isolate where I was for a few days um, just so I didn't pick it up anywhere else. And then I did go home and, you know, traveling internationally right now is a bit complicated. But, you know, it's something I went through getting to Lancaster. And so I was kind of used to it. Um, And once I got home, I mean, it was great. I wasn't able to attend all of my classes for the last two weeks just because some of them were at 4 a.m. my time. Um, but I stayed involved. I talked to my flatmates and I and all my friends talked to each other all throughout the break. Um, we kind of coordinated when we would all be coming back. And so it was definitely not as hard as you would think, I guess, to go back. I know everyone kind of had their own different experiences based on their family situations with going back home over Christmas. But for me, it worked out to go home. Emily, when did you go home? Because I know you're yes, you're home right now. I am now. currently home. I'll be back up in Lancaster in a couple of days, though. Um, oh. I left pretty much the week after term ended, which I believe was in November, like the end of November. Um, and then I stayed, and and then I came back up on the second of January. Um, whilst I was at home, actually, I a hundred percent missed uni a lot. Um, I was talking to my flatmates every single day. And yeah, so 
I, I definitely miss the independence and stuff that I got from uni. And um, basically, I know this sounds really horrible, but as soon as I got home, I wanted to come back up. Um, <laughs> I, I don't mean that in like a really bad way to my family, because obviously it was lovely seeing my family again, but I 100% missed uni. Um, so, you know, it, it was nice the first couple of weeks uh, and getting to see everyone again. Um, and it was nice. And then after that, you're like, right, I'd like my independence <laughs> exactly. back. Time to go back um, up. I, that sounds really horrible. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. But yeah, the, the independence and just just the way we do things at uni. Um, no, it's a, yeah, it's an adjustment. It's a transition because especially if you've now had three months of living by yourself, taking care of everything by yourself, and then you've gone home. So it's like, it's nice to see your family, but the dynamic is now completely different yeah, to what you're, yeah. you've gotten yourself used to. So at home, like I share a room with a six-year-old. So um, <laughs> I, you know, I couldn't be in my room from like seven in the evening or all the way through, unless I was like sleeping, I couldn't be in my room doing anything on my own. So it, it was like going from uni where you're very independent and being able to do whatever you want, essentially going back home to like a very busy household and not even being allowed to spend like time on your own in your room so yeah that that took a bit of adjusting as well all right so then we've uh, we've had christmas and now it's uh january february and we're nearly come we're, we're like more than halfway through march now this is wild but this has been the second term and obviously the lockdown has become a lot more strict because one day it was send your kids to school everything is fine the next day schools are <laughs> yeah. closed until further notice how has the second term of, of Lancaster been? And and then we're going to sort of, I guess, conclude with your thoughts of one year yeah, of COVID. So me, yeah, so I came back mid-January and you know, um, I think the classes had just just started a few days ago. And so I came back in time to kind of be on the right time zone to engage in those. And most of my flatmates were back. You know, there are a few people who decided not to return this term um, just for health and safety reasons. But most of us were back and most of us were able to, you know, kind of hang out. But at the same time, it felt a little bit different than the first term. I think a lot of the novelty and excitement had kind of faded. Um, and we were all kind of in a weird, a weird, a weird anxiety again, um, like the beginning of lockdown, because, you know, we had gone through this second lockdown when nothing w was too strict. We'd come out of lockdown. Things had kind of resumed. People were able to see their home friends again for, you know, most of December. But then there was the whole thing with the new variants in London. And so we all kind of had to go back into lockdown immediately. And that lockdown was much stricter. And so I think then we, I mean, we had all been hopeful for a much better Lent and summer term in terms of, you know, getting out to meet more people and going to lectures. But then we were told, you know, this probably is going to happen. And so with that, I think there was definitely more struggle in that, you know, of course, also it was dark outside, it was yeah. raining. And so we were all kind of stuck inside and felt a little bit strange. Um, and so for the first couple of weeks, we're kind of in that. I know now getting into more February, March, it's gotten much better, much more reminiscent of our first term. But there was definitely a little bit more of struggle for me, at least in January. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Um, for me, this term has been really hard, actually. Um, I have SAD, yeah. this seasonal affective disorder. So essentially when it's dark outside, I feel really bad. Um, and I do have problems, you know, mental health issues anyway, with uh, anxiety and depression. So normally this time of year is, is quite hard for me anyway. But add to that the fact that we're in full lockdown, more than we were before. You know, you, you can't just randomly 
go outside and whatever. You can't do what you want all the time. Um, only half of our flat was back, which definitely did feel really weird, especially as we are really close. To have only half of the flat in uh, was super strange and kind of, I don't know, it felt a lot quieter this time around. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I definitely did. Um, actually, in February, I had quite a big mental health crisis. Uh, I wouldn't say crisis, but, you know, I, I went I went downhill quite a bit. Um, I got quite behind with my work. Um, I just felt really down, and that's why I've come back home um, to spend some time with my family before going back up for the final term. Um, I don't want to say it's all doom and gloom, because obviously there were uh, amazing parts of it as well. But I think with the COVID restrictions and only half of the flat being there, it did make this term a lot harder for me personally. Yeah, because when I think about it, I, I think when lockdown was in summer, I was okay. You know, there was loads of sun. Um, yeah. It was so nice to go out for water. The weather was fabulous. Watermelons were in season. <laughs> I was having watermelons every day. But then it was when, when the winter lockdown hit, I remember I was complaining to all my friends. I was like, guys, the days and nights are all blending into one. Oh, I am waking up to go back to sleep. Yeah. Like, I just want this to be over. But there yeah, was no this, sort of near time, end in sight. I mean, I, I really, uh, my sleep pattern went terribly because I was just, you know, you couldn't even differentiate the days anymore. I didn't know what day it was. Yeah. I realised that I was going through a, a, like a, a lot of chocolate um, and just sleeping all of the time because I just felt really exhausted. It was like I needed to sleep. Um, but alas, we have a date, June yeah, 21st. Yeah, that definitely helped a lot. And I know I've been on campus since I came back. Um, so I think I've kind of seen an evolution of, you know, that initial January slump going into how we are now. Um, and so I mentioned that it's gotten better. And I think that, you know, going in January, the sun was setting at like three or four. And so, you know, you'd go outside after lunch and it'd be already getting dark. And that was definitely kind of bringing, I guess, a more somber feeling onto mm -hmm. everybody. Um, and also in that, you know, it was cold and rainy. You couldn't really get outside as much to spend time with people um, as much as you would be able to if it was warm. Like you, like you mentioned, I know, with the summer. But now I know we had that one really yeah. sunny week at the end of February. Um, it was like eight, nine degrees outside. Everyone was kind of out, you know, in, in your own respective groups. But everyone was outside, outside of the accommodation. Um, people were just kind of sitting on blankets drinking eating out just out there in their little flat groups or it was just you know one or two other people obviously um people were playing sports outside with their flats um and it was definitely a much lighter feeling and so you know that was, came right around the time that there was the announcement of you know june 21st and i think that definitely gave everyone much more to look forward to and so like i mentioned with you know january we're back in this lockdown and we didn't really have an end stop and you know, an end goal, but that really lifted everyone up. And I mean, walking down, you know, the spine of Lancaster, you know, the pathways, um, you'd see kids riding their bikes, people were outside eating together. Um, and so, you know, there's still a lot of restrictions on what you can and can't do, obviously, but within your own flat groups, it's been much nicer ever since that, you know, also with spring coming, um, it's been much lighter outside, we can actually go out and do things occasionally go on walks. And so that's, def that's definitely lined up the mood a lot. Yeah. It's definitely gotten much better. I love it. 
Um, so now obviously you both, I mean, like many other students have done that one year of COVID, whether or not the next group of year 13s um, will go through that obviously depends now because of the situation with the vaccine, because it, it, it looks like everything will be open in yeah. time for September. So I don't think they're going to have the same yeah. sort of, I guess, the blended learning or the COVID experience, you know, that you guys had of first year university during a pandemic. But if, you, if we're going to sort of round this up now, like, for students who are who will have spent the last year at home and who are feeling apprehensive about university, um, or like who may be thinking, you know, should I defer university if you know situation is going to be different if it's not going to be as open as I want it to be? Um, what are what are what I guess for each one of you, what are sort of your key takeaways and I guess the key key um, advice that you would really give to people about coming to uni because I'm very close to my family, like very very close. My mum is essentially my best friend. Um, and I was also quite dependent on my parents. Um, I wasn't very independent at all. Uh, and so, I mean, aside from COVID, I was worried about going to uni anyway, especially because the uni I'd chosen, Lancaster, was like six or seven hours away from home. Um, but I know this is like really hard to hear, but it, it will be okay. And you might have hard bits where you realise that you've just been eating pasta for last week or you just haven't been eating at all for like the last week properly or you haven't showered in like three days. You know, you will have those things and growing up is hard, but you will get there. And I, I don't think, I'm really glad I didn't defer because if I, if I had deferred, I wouldn't have got this experience. And this, this year, although it has been tricky at some points, has been the most amazing year of my life so far. Um, and yeah, I mean, COVID added some parts of it, but it, it hasn't made the experience bad at all. There are still so many things to love about uni. Yeah. I think there's a lot of part of it that is, I guess, character building. And I think the, the thing about COVID that makes it different is it, it's beyond your control. Like we literally have zero control over what it's done to our circumstances. So it's a case of, being able to adjust quite quickly to yeah. whatever the new and I situation think now is. It's a lot easier than it was when it initially started. Um, just in the sense that, you know, for the first five or so months of COVID, everyone was panicking. No one knew what was happening. But now, you know, as much as it sucks to be in a lockdown, we've kind of settled into it. And I definitely say I would have mm. I would have certainly regretted if I had deferred. Um, just because, you know, I think that would have been kind of reminiscent of my first month or so in lockdown. Because, I mean, um, having no, not being able to see anybody besides your family, you know, your parents are going to be maybe working online. Your siblings are going to be doing school online. Yeah. So with that, I think it definitely would have just been very boring. I would have been so much more lost than if I had come. And like Emily said, you know, as much as I would have loved to be able to do all the normal university things, it's still been a great experience. Um, and so, you know, there's not much, you can't control it. You, you aren't going to be able to have that normal first year experience. So you just have to accept what, I think that's definitely a really hard thing to do. And I know it would be a hard thing to hear, but eventually you do come to a place where you accept the reality of it and you just make the best of it that you can. Um, I think for me, that's just been integrating myself into every society, every opportunity I can find. And, you know, even if I don't have all of the super exciting social stuff with meeting hundreds of people, I still have my you know, strong group in my flat and at least I've been able to make success in my personal life. I love it. Look at all this wisdom coming out from such wonderful, 
mature, wise ladies. I love it. This has been absolutely fabulous. Um, thank you both. Thank you yeah. both for agreeing to do this and for sharing your experiences. Um, I think this is going to be really, really beneficial. And um, that concludes um, episode one of, of Lancaster Diaries, which is a, it's a holding name for now, unless someone comes up with anything better. Um, but thank you, Emily. And, and thank you, Ariana, for, for joining uh, this podcast. Yeah, and thank you. You guys Have are wonderful. Day.